We can't imagine what it's going to be like when we all get to heaven. We're just getting a glimpse of it down here on how we're praising God. But when we get to heaven, where all the nations around the world come together, and we'll sit at the table with Jesus where he will now eat and drink with us. But this time, I would like the deacons to come forward and let's receive this morning tithes and offering. And when you come, stand before and then I will pray. Until then, I want to share something with you, with the congregation about the gift of giving. I messed around and watched a DVD called Passion. And I was all right till they got to the part to where they started whooping Jesus, where the, the picture that represented the, the Romans who was whooping now supposed to have been Christ. I had never seen uh, the cat of seven tails, you know, I guess what they were whooping Jesus with. And I didn't know that them spikes and everything that they had on the end of that whip would tear the flesh out of a person every time it hit you. And, wow. I couldn't watch it. I said, God, you let your son go through this for me? Who else a sinner? The Bible tells us in John 3, 16, the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the greatest gifts of gifts. What we're doing now is nothing can what God given us. So God asks us to be faithful. And what he has blessed us with. Because one day it's gonna pay for it all. When we walk the sea of glass, and we were behind the walls of pearls, the streets of gold. And I have to share this with you. God is getting ready to do something with me. I wasn't going to tell you, but he's getting ready to do something with me. And when it happened, I will let you guys know. Because as a Christian, as I've been in this here Christian race, I don't know if anybody feel like me. I can't stay in the same situation forever and ever. I get bored quick and fast. So I've been praying and asking God, I said, Lord, I need for you to do something for me. And he has, in that same week, I got a call. So, Father, 
we just returning back what you have given us. And Lord, you, only scripture in the Bible where you say prove you is in tithes and offering. And Father, there might be some that saying, well, I just don't have it. I need to pay certain such bills. I need to do this. But for Lord, for those who are not faithful in their tithes and their offering, I would like for them to step out in faith. That you can see that you are God that cannot lie. That your world, that your word will be fulfilled. That you will open up windows, the windows of heaven and pour them out a blessing that they will not have room enough to receive them. And Father, we claim that promise from your word this morning. So Father, I pray now that you will bless those who gave. Bless those, Father, who wanted to give but had not to give. And Father, that it will go forth into the ministry here, that the work can be finished, and that you will come and receive us, that when that great day should come, we can say, this is our Lord and our God, who we've been waiting for. So Father, we thank you, and we love you, and there's no other name given to man that we can be saved by, and that name is Jesus Christ, and let the church say, Amen.
Lord. Amen. I thank you very much, Elizabeth. Thank you very much. We truly appreciate your gift and your willingness to come and blessing us with your talents. Amen. When we give our talents to the Lord, the Lord turns our talents into wonderful gifts. And I praise God um, for that. Um, I just have a, a few announcements. Um, I was threatened by the women's ministries coordinator. And she says, if you do not announce this, you're dead meat. And so uh, I've learned, and I'm learning well, that I have to listen, right? I can't be hard-headed, so I want you to listen. Now, Women's Ministries, this is official, will meet after the ushers meeting in the overflow room. So all the Women's Ministries, if you are um, the team, they're meeting immediately in the ushers room. Uh, in the overflow room after the ushers meeting. The ushers are going to meet immediately after the service. Amen? Amen. All right. So I'm secured. Uh, the other is that um, tomorrow, um, I believe there was uh, to be a nutrition workshop, food demonstration, and a free blood pressure clinic. Now, all of that is uh, being pushed uh, to the time of our parking lot preaching. And so that's going to be the parking lot preaching is going to be from June the 20th to the 22nd. And stay tuned. This is going to be a wonderful event. So all our ministries in the church will be functioning at that time at full capacity we're going to have a big tent uh, in our parking lot, and uh, we will be having a concert on the 20th of June, that a Friday evening community concert. Uh, we have various uh, local uh, presenters that will be coming in all different shapes, size, and form, and musical abilities, uh, good musical abilities. Uh, they will be all coming together on Friday evening at uh, 6 p.m. in our parking lot where we will be uh, celebrating uh, as we make the transition from the week into the Sabbath. On the Sabbath morning, we will be having our bus going around picking up individuals. Um, the pickup is going to be from 10 a.m. and um, it's going to be between 10 and 1. Everyone, people will be coming in and also we will have our Sabbath school, our divine service, and also our evening uh, programs will be under the tent on that day. I pray for a cool breeze to show up, to blow under the tent. Amen? Amen. I know God answers prayers. I remember once I was in Mexico and we had a wedding on the beach. And they prayed, and they were asking, please, we are praying that the sun does not beat us down, but that we have shade. And so we started going out, the bridal party and all of us going out to uh, the, the beach. And I tell you no lie, I mean recorded um, before the, the people of God, 
all of a sudden, a cloud just happened to just be traveling by. And that cloud just happened to stop by and just cover the sun and sheltered us for about half an hour. Now, I realized that, you know, I had favor. And so I had to make sure I, you know, keep it brief. And so I had to preach and just keep it very, very brief. And immediately after everything was finished, the cloud continued on its way. And I'm telling you, God is able. Amen? Amen. If God could lead the, the children of Israel um, with a cloud of uh, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, if God can do it back then, he could do it even now. And we are praying for good weather on Sabbath, June the 21st. Amen? You want to make it out. And remember, on Sunday the 22nd, we are going to have fun day. It's going to be a wonderful fun day. Now, I gave you the highlights for this um, program, but the entire month of June, we're going to have a wonderful time. We have Pastor Dixon coming in the, the first Sabbath. Uh, he's going to be preaching for Education Sabbath, and you need to hear that message. Uh, we have the graduation on the 5th. Uh, our local, our school. Um, how many of you came to our spelling bee uh, this last Thursday? How many of you guys were there, right? Uh, it was such a great joy to watch our children, um, you know, just going through their words. Is Dominique here? Where's Dominique? Dominique. Yeah, there he is. He's standing, he's standing, he's looking. But I think you got to come forward, Dominique. We want to see you. We want to see you. Dominique, he was the winner in the K uh, to uh, grade two category, all right? And believe you me, he, he spelt the words. You see, you see this head that he has here? Man, we say, we say in Jamaica, you see, this is wisdom, you know? This is wisdom. This kid really did well. Now, I don't want to be biased, but my, um, the other category was from grade three to grade five. And um, a little girl named Crystal, she won that category. Where's Crystal? Where's Crystal? Where's Crystal? All right, Crystal, come on forward. Come forward. We got to keep it fair. Um, I'm a little biased, you know, but you know, well, what can you say? You know, I taught her all that she knew. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, and there was another little child uh, named Enoch. Enoch, and I'm telling you, that guy, he stood up as a robot. And that's from the grade six to eight category. And he, I mean, nobody could stomp him. And he spelled all those words, and he did so well, and he got number one in that category. And so Enoch... You may be recorded. Congratulations. I want you to continue to pray for our school. You may have a child that you need to uh, come to our school. Uh, our registration is open. Feel free to uh, come on out and uh, register your children. Uh, we believe in Christian education, and they're getting some good, good teaching here at the Abundant Life uh, Christian Academy. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. And so remember, come to our graduation on the, uh, I believe, the 4th. The 4th. Is it right, Sister Stevenson? Did I get it right? Yes, the 4th. Uh, Thursday the 4th, uh, we will be, pardon me? 
Is it Wednesday the 4th? So is graduation on Wednesday or on? Is on Wednesday. Graduation is on Wednesday, um, the, the 4th of June. Please uh, come and support our academy. And um, look at the calendar for the rest of the events in June. Um, we truly want this to be a wonderful event. Remember this evening we have our, the continuation of our marriage seminar. Um, we have been blessed uh, by the ministry of the Sanfords as they, uh, the family life directors as they lead out. And so at 5 p.m., please come on out and be blessed by what you will experience. Now, many of you received this in your bulletin, 10 days to Pentecost. Now, this is a challenge, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. This is for 10 days, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., starting this coming Friday, May the 31st, the, 30, the 30th, rather, to June the 8th. Uh, we are meeting here. If you feel that you want to be blessed, you want to receive the anointing of the Holy Ghost in an extra way, we are going to be praying for one faithful hour each day. And this um, year, we are following the theme how God used 11 men to change the world through prayer. How God was able to use 11 men. Remember, one of them lost his way, and God had to work with the 11. And he used 11 men to change the world through prayer. And so we want you to come. We are going to have a daily anointing. You want to pray for your children. You want to pray for your sickness. Uh, any sickness that you have uh, among the, your family or what have you, this is a time. It's a very special prayer that we will be going through for 10 days. 10 days to Pentecost, and we believe the Holy Spirit will be poured out. Amen? Amen. Uh, this coming Wednesday night, remember also we will be having our prophecy seminar, our um, prophecy watch. Uh, myself and Elder Muldrow will be leading out in that, and uh, we want to encourage you to come out. We had a good number last Wednesday evening, and uh, we want to encourage you to continue to come and be blessed uh, by these messages. Today, I deal with a very, very interesting subject. In fact, this is a, a I would say, um, this is one of our doctrines that uh, we, are, we will be focusing on, and it is uh, Christian behavior. Now, I know some of you guys, you want to just duck out and leave, but listen, I'm not going to be throwing any stones, but I will be teaching from the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And so I want to encourage us as we um, go through this that we... Glorify the name of God. Amen? Amen? In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, I believe it is on the screen. It's on that one, but not this one. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, the scripture tells us, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do to the glory 
of God. I want you to repeat it after me. Whether therefore he eat or drink, whatsoever he do, do to the glory of God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the gathering this morning, this afternoon. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will lead us and will guide us. I know you have called us, Lord, for such a time as this. We pray that your church will be blessed, that your name will be lifted up here in every heart, and that we will leave here rejoicing to know that we serve a God that cares about us, that he has given us these instructions to help us to live in a peaceful, in a fruitful way. We pray that you will bless us now, bless myself as I teach uh, this afternoon, and that this teaching will bring conviction, and that indeed, Lord, your people will be ready and furnished and suited, ready for the kingdom of God. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The deacons will be giving you one of these sheets. Uh, this is for your further study. As they're giving you these sheets, uh, feel free to follow uh, some of the things I will be reading through, some of the uh, texts I will be covering, but I won't be keeping you too long, but I want you to understand this is Fundamental Belief uh, 22, and I believe that it's very important for us to look at this. There are some of these principles that I will be talking about, and key, uh, these three principles that I live by, um, among others, but I want to highlight this, and I want to, some of these are sayings, but I want you to um, just internalize this as um, we go forth. Um, and so, uh, my title of my message is, Will the Real Christian Stand Up? Will the Real Christian Stand Up? I realize that living in a world today, um, sometimes we are tempted to uh, just to masquerade and hide and cover up who we are. Uh, at times, we, uh, we want to fit in, we want to blend in, so uh, we don't want to do anything to rustle anyone's feathers, and so we want to play it safe. And so I believe that we're in a time right now where God is calling Christians to stand up and to stand out and to declare who we are and to be proud of it. Amen? Amen? We're in an age right now where people are coming out of closets and declaring who they are. While coming here, I had a thought that I said I have to insert this somehow in my message. I inserted it into the Sabbath school class. And I thought to myself, I, I said, you know, just imagine right now we are inundated with various sports leagues right across where individuals are coming out of the closet and people are applauding them and they're cheering they're saying, hey, you know, we admire your courage for standing out and declaring who you are, who you really are. And when you think of it, I thought to myself, imagine that we had a Christian, a seven-day Adventist Christian that was 
considered for the number one draft pick. I understand that Cleveland received the number one draft pick uh, this uh, week. It was announced, right? I think it was Cleveland, then you had uh, Milwaukee, and we had another team that I can't remember. Philly, there you go, the 76ers, right? And so when you think of it, um, imagine that uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, we are going to hear that uh, we have uh, the number one draft pick is Angel. Where's Angel, right? Angel, he's the number one draft pick. And um, there is something very interesting about uh, Angel. Um, Angel, he is a, a devout seven-day Adventist. And Angel, he has so committed himself not to play a game on Sabbath. He will not lift the ball on Sabbath. In fact, he will be found worshiping at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church on Sabbath. Wherever he is in the world or around the United States, he is flying in to observe the Sabbath. And so, Angel... Um, he, is, he is a wonderful athlete, athlete but uh, his team will miss him every Sabbath from sundown Sabbath, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. He will not be playing. And we want to honor this child and this young man for his courage for standing up for God. Do you think that would fly? No way. He will never even make it next to a basketball court, much less be thought of to be number one draft pick. But we see that we're in this world right now where we celebrate things that, you know, hey, this guy's coming out of the closet or this woman is declaring this and all of that. And we are cheering for sinful behaviors. Now, please, don't get me wrong. I love everyone. I love everyone, and I'm taught that I need to love everyone, but I need to hate the sin. The sin of homosexuality is the same uh, as the sin of lying and cheating and stealing. It all comes under the same category, amen? If you're, if you're holding on to any of these sins unconfessed, it is enough. It is just enough to ensure that you will be out of the kingdom of God. Lying, stealing, any of these, breaking God's laws, any of them. James says, if you're guilty in one, the least of these things, my brethren... You're guilty of all. And so I want you to understand with me. We have certain principles that we need to abide by. We have certain doctrines that we must live by. We have the 28 fundamental beliefs that governs us, and these are all biblical. They're all scriptural. And you're going to see from time to time, I'm going to be giving you a sheet I'm going to give you the sheet, and you'll be able to read through the doctrines, and you'll be able to understand what the doctrines are saying. 
but you have a ton load of scripture that helps to back you up to know that this is what you believe in and this is the basis of our belief. Amen? And so when we uh, teach on these doctrines, it's very important for us to understand it is thoroughly bathed and um, have its foundation in the Word of God. Now, one of the principles that I think of that I'm going to bring forth here is, as a people, if we do not stand for something, we will fall for everything. If you as a Christian or us, ourselves as Christians, if we do not stand for something, we're going to fall for anything. If you look at the world right now, you have these eclectic individuals. They are just continually just, just uh, the, any wind of, of doctrine that comes up, a new theology, the secret, they're running after that. Uh, there's a new thing I don't know about. Uh, Elder Ryan was telling me about this, and uh, it's the book, The, the Circle. I don't, know that, I don't know about it, but I'm saying people are running after all kind of new things and falling for everything. When God is asking us to stand for only one thing, the principle is found in the Word of God. Amen? The other thing I want to look at is that everything glitter is not gold. I remember one day I was walking on the railway track in my old neighborhood in La Salle, uh, Quebec, and I saw this thing that was glittering in the sun. And I went me, I grabbed that thing up, and I saw, I said, I found gold. And I remember back then, you know, I used to watch these old cowboy movies, you know, these guys running after gold or these gold miners and all of that. And I said, and usually things happen around rail tracks. And so I got this thing and I said, I've got gold. I'm rich. I'm rich. And I kept that gold thing treasured. I told my grandparents, I want to go to a pawn shop. I need to check this thing out. I went and I checked that thing out. And I was so eager, waiting, you know, for them to weigh it and to tip it away or bite it or whatever it is, right? And lo and behold, when this thing was checked out, the guy says, this is just a stone. It's garbage. I said, what do you mean it's garbage? He said, this is garbage. And he put it in the back of the counter. And I said, no, no, no. Give me. You're not going to fool me. This has some value. And I went and I got it checked out again, and I got the same result. <laughs> you know, I was so discouraged. I thought I got gold. I thought that I was rich. Every child's dream. But I, st I still kept that rock. It's somewhere among my stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> Everything that glitters is not gold. We must understand there are certain principles that we need to abide by. And if you live long enough, you'd realize that you need to observe. You need to observe things very well to know if they're real or not. Another principle 
and this is going to hit your taste buds, not everything that tastes good is good for you. Amen? <laughs> it's not everything that tastes good is good for you. You know, I remember one time my uh, growing up with a, a relative of mine that was a, they just loved bacon. And I mean, bacon, they were telling me this thing is sweet, it's nice, and what have you. And, and I remember that person put a little piece of bacon, you know, next to my breakfast plate. And they're saying, yeah, he's going to try it. And when he tastes that, he's going to see how good it is. Right? And I, was, I looked at it, and I, everyone's always talking about bacon, how it is, and all of that. And I looked at it, and I said, no way. I grew up in a, a way where I don't touch that stuff. And they were watching and watching, watching me in, in the distance to see if I was going to take it. I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. And I was so proud of myself at that time. Right? <laughs> but the thing is, what happened, you have so many of us. We are digging ourselves to hell. Some of us, our appetite is going is to put us in the grave. It don't matter whatever you do, people. No, I'm not giving up. I know it's wrong, but it's good. Not everything that tastes good is good for you. And so we got to realize there are certain principles that we need to live by and abide by. And as Christians, we must be principled. We must know why we are, what we are doing and what we, why we are doing it. In our, our principle, in our fundamental belief, it says that we are called to be godly people who think, feel, and act in harmony with the principle of heaven. This is what we are called to do, right? Nothing else. To think, feel, and act with the principles of heaven. For the spirit, for the spirit to recreate in us the character of our Lord, we involve ourselves, not uh, involve ourselves only in those things which produce Christ-like purity, health, and joy in our lives. This means that our amusement and entertainment should meet the highest standards of Christian taste and beauty. While recognizing cultural differences, our dress is to be simple, modest, and neat, befitting those true, those, uh, those whose true beauty does not consist of the outward adornment, but the imperishable adornment of a gentle and a quiet spirit. Amen? Amen? And so, you know, so many times we find ourselves, individuals, we, we, we dress to kill. We're going to put this on because, hey, you know, I'm going to get his, you know, I'm going to get that reaction at work. So I'm putting on that red dress, and I'm going to make sure that he smells what a good woman smells like. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to assassinate him that he has to look at me. Or a guy is going to dress up. I'm going to put on my suit that shows up, my six-pack and all of that. I'm going to charm these women, right? And so we, why do we do what we do? 
The, what we are being instructed is that we should make sure that our dress be simple, modest, and neat, befitting those whose true beauty does not consist of outward adornment, but an, of an imperishable adornment of a gentle and quiet spirit. It, it also means that because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, we are to care for our bodies diligently. Be careful what you put in your body. We don't go and guzzle down gasoline, do we? Huh? We don't do that. Uh, we, we have to make sure that, you know, these, some of these things we keep from us, God has created us and he has told us in scripture what we need to put in our bodies to keep us uh, healthy. Along with adequate exercise and rest, we are to adopt the most healthful diet possible and abstain from unclean foods as identified in scripture. Leviticus 11, if you want to look at that. Since alcoholic beverage, tobacco, and the irresponsible use of drug and narcotics are harmful for our bodies, we are to abstain, abstain from them as well. Instead, we are to engage in whatever brings our thoughts and our bodies into the discipline of Christ, whose desire, who desires our wholesomeness, joy, and goodness. Support, when we think of this, is, is all found, we see in the Word of God. In the scriptures as you see outlined in your in in your outline that I've given you it's very important for us to understand that God he desires uh, his great desire uh, that he has for us is is to is to have our our bodies our thoughts our deeds and our actions ordained by him we have to understand that we are not in this world on our own. Amen? Amen? And so some of us, we are becoming a stumbling block to others by the things that we do. Amen? Amen, Amen everyone? Amen. The Bible tells us that we need to be very, very careful that we do not pose and, and become a stumbling block to individuals that want to worship God and also to serve God. How do you become a stumbling block? I remember once I preached this sermon, this is probably about seven years ago, and I talked about dress, and you know, you hardly hear me talk about this. Normally I get some of the old ladies to do it. You know, or, or some of the you know, savvy young ladies that have it together, I say, you talk, you preach about it. Because sometimes as a preacher I get stoned. You know, and I was talking and I was telling, you know, uh, in, this, in this illustration, I said, you know, it's very important, ladies, that you make sure that when you get dressed, you cover things up in a, a well-mannered way, Amen. right? Instead of letting the buttons loose down too low to the belly button, you need to button up and cover it up, right? And one lady met me outside and she said, what are you looking there anyways for? 
And I said, well, that was not the intention, right? But I'm very careful. We are encouraged as God's people that whatever we do, we must do so with great modesty. There's a principle, I remember we had a, a we, uh, from one of our, our campaigns that we had up north, uh, we had a sister, Dillis Brooks, many of you may know her. And uh, she came to us one day and she was preaching and she, she touched it and she said, you know, ladies, you gotta make sure that when you get dressed, it has to be long enough, it, it, it has to be high enough, and it has to be loose enough. When you get dressed, you have to use these two, these three principles. Make sure that it's long enough, right? Make sure that it's high enough, and make sure that it's loose enough. Uh, because you do not want to cause a stumbling block to others. And it's not only to the ladies. I know sometimes we, we like to attack the ladies, but gentlemen, for us too. I know when I get dressed and I put my clothes on and everything and I have my favorite clothing and if I gain a little weight or something and my wife will say, oh, you know, you need to change your pants. I said, what are you talking about? And, you know, she said, well, you know, it's kind of sucking on you a little, you know. <laughs> you know, but you see what happens, some individuals, they like to get dressed and they like to show and display not knowing that we are all visual individuals. What we see, it gives, you know, uh, gives you this, this imagination, and you don't want to create that. Research has shown that every picture that you see leaves a 30-year impression on your mind. Every picture you see. Now, I was exposed to stuff when, in my teenage years that I should not be exposed to. And I remember last time I preached this, I think I was in the crusade last year, and I mentioned this, and someone was saying, well, they thought that because I was exposed to all of that, that my mind was corrupted and all of, yes, it's corrupted, but thank God we serve a God that decorrupts, that cleans you up, right? But I give you these illustrations to let you know that just there are certain things that I cannot expose myself to because uh, of what I was exposed to before. The impressions, you see things, and they bring up things, experiences in the past. And as Christians, we need to know that we are living together. This is a hospital here. We all come with varying experiences. And as we come with our experiences, we are all sick. We have not attained. We have not achieved. We are not there yet. We have not sprout wings yet. Until then, we're in a struggle. We're in a struggle. And some of us, yes, there are certain things that may remind you of the club. And I could understand you, that remind you of the experiences that you had out in the world and you don't want to see it in the church. I could understand that. And so we have to be mindful that all of us and in God's army, as we are struggling onward on this path, we got to help one another. Amen? 
And so we want to make sure that indeed that we do not become a stumbling block to anyone. In the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be he transformed, be transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that he may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, the perfect will of God. God has a perfect will for each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. And so as we come to worship God, we come to worship God not to be distracted, not to be distracted by anything that anyone has, uh, right? Uh, some of us, we get dressed to distract others. Some of us, we, we, we comb our hair in a way to distract others. And so whatever we do, we need to do it to the glory of God. Now, please, I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at anyone, lest anyone think he's preaching about me. And people always think that, that I'm preaching about people or them. I have nobody in my mind that I'm preaching, and God knows, right? But I'm saying, whatever we do, we got to realize as you get dressed Sabbath morning, you come into the fellowship, ask yourself, am I going to be a distraction? Am I going to be a stumbling block to someone along the way? Am I going to be a, a way, uh, some kind of a, 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 a deterrent from someone worshiping God? The book of Romans chapter 14, verse 13, 12 and 13, it, so, it says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let not, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall for his brother in the brother's way. Everything that we do Every word that we say can build somebody or tear them down. This is why I'm very careful with words and even compliments. It's very important for us to understand we're all in this together. And the, my aim, my God-given aim, I know that God has given me, is to help to build others and encourage others along the way. And so we have to consider that whatever we do, that we do not become a distraction or a stumbling block to somebody. I was looking up the word, the definition of that stumbling block, and... It, it's, it defines itself in Miriam Webster, Webster's dictionary. It says that a, a stumbling block is, is an obstacle to progress. An obstacle to progress, right? An impediment to belief or understanding. 
can we be an obstacle to someone's progress? I realize that, you know, we use the term misery love company. And I see many times individuals, they come to Christ and they gave up smoking and they gave up drugs and they gave up all the things of the world that they used to do. The things that they used to do, they don't do it anymore. But then in the process of time, I visit some of these individuals and I find that they have relapsed. And then I interview them and ask them, well, you know, what happened? Well, you know, why did you, you know, and they said, well, I visited a friend or a friend came over to visit me and, and he came and he said, man, man, just, just, just for old time. And just that one little whiff, that one little draw led them back down in a life that they were in before. We could be a stumbling block to others. And this is why it is very important as Christians that we be agents of, of encouragement to others along the way. All of us are broken. Every single one of us are broken people. If I could go and press the right button in your mind, and God, through his miracle, opens up in your mind the struggles that each and every one of us face. We will see from the most righteous, the most oldest individual, we will see stuff about them, about us. Every single one of us have a weak point. And some of us may know a person's weak point and we use it to exploit them. And that is evil. And the last time I read my Bible, if somebody is doing that, there is no part for that person in the kingdom of God. We got to understand that every single one of us, we are wounded soldiers. And we are moving on the road to eternity. That eternal, that narrow path that leads to glory. We are, we are depending on each other. We are struggling. We are struggling with something. And so as Christians, there are certain standards that we need as a church, we need to establish and we need to live by. And so God has called us into this. You have something to help me along the way. But the same way, conversely, you have stuff that will help me to lose my way. And I believe God wants us with great prayer to encourage each other along the way. And so as we are called into this journey together, it's very important for us to understand that, you know, these um, standards, it affects us. As you see in your seat, there are issues of where deportment and relationship, it tells us that we should not be even unequally yoked with non-believers. That are, that's individuals that are not moving in your direction. They're individuals that may be moving in the opposite direction. You have to be very careful. But so often I hear individuals say, hey, I could handle it. I love this guy, man. I love this girl. And love conquers all. And then after I see them three years from now and I realize that it wasn't love that conquered, but something else conquered them because generally 
they leave their spiritual position and they have digressed. It's very important for us to understand, folks, ladies and gentlemen, that you know, God has called us to encourage each other along this way. And so we need to understand as, as we, we talked about dress and our adornment and, and even the very thoughts. You know, I realize they're friends of mine that I hang around with at times. I haven't established some of these friends here, thank God. But they're friends that, you know, as we just bounce together and we're just talking, and as we talk, our conversation could just drift into other areas. And there are some guys we're talking, you know, and easy. You know, there's some friends I have to even avoid because I know where the conversation is going. We're living in such a, a sexualized culture that everything is, is all about sex. That immediately you could be carried away. Last um, Saturday night, we, the men, we got together and we talked about sex. And it was a good beginning because I realized something here that this is an epidemic that is, that is sweeping our church. Ministers, leaders are falling prey to the sexual demons that's flying around our churches, not just in Vegas, but it comes back down to your thought. What you think eventually, and it consumes you, eventually you will do. And so we need to guard the very avenues of our minds. We need to guard our thoughts. It's very important for us to understand them. The very same thing with foods. Whatever you eat, becomes your thought. Whatever you drink determines your action. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, just guzzle down some alcohol and drink enough. Eventually, you, you will be talking foolish things. You'll be loosened up. I remember back when I used to consume a lot of alcohol. I'm a Jamaican now. <laughs> and you got to understand. When I used to consume a lot of alcohol, I didn't drink it. I ate it. And some of you guys understand, right? You know those black cakes? You know those, they call, some people even call it rum cakes. And they, they, they soak the fruit. They soak the fruit, right? In, um, and marinated in the alcohol. Please, people, I see some of you guys are craving for it now, you know? <laughs> and, and they marinate this thing, you know, and they bake this thing, and it comes out nice, and this, the smell, the aroma, and you cut into that thing, it tastes so good. And for me, I have a sweet tooth, so I cut a piece of this. You know, and sometimes these, you know, I have some ladies that give me these gifts. You know, and I don't deny these gifts, right? And I used to hold there, it says, you know, a little wine for the stomach's sake, because I know it's in it, but this is rum. Ray and nephew rum. Rough rum. And I'm, I cut this thing, and I'm, you know, I consume it, and I have just one slice, and I just feel, you know, I'm just talking free and fluent, you know, 
and I have, the more pieces I have, I know it's having an effect on my, because I'm not used to that, right? But it loosens me up. And I'm saying, if I could get drunk from rum cake, what about the others who are guzzling it? You understand? People guzzle this because they don't want to deal with the struggles of life. But these things affect you. It affects your Christian behavior. It affects how you stand. It affects if you stand. Very important for us to understand that God has called us to make a difference in this world. I was reviewing this book, this book that was called, entitled First Impressions. And apparently this organization and this, the, the author of this book, they, they believe that you know, your impression, the, 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 your first impression makes a difference on the people that you meet. The first time that you see individuals, in their, that first introduction, it has an impression on you. Some of you, your first impression was when I came to this pulpit last year, are in 2012 um, in May. That was your first impression of me. Some, I've, uh, my first impression of you was when I visited you and I saw you in your barber shop. First impression. All of these things we have to understand that it makes a significant impact on us. And as Christians, everything that we do, everything that we think, all of these things, the scripture says, it says that we must do it to the glory of God. All the things that we do, the way we dress, the way we eat, the way we think, it has an impression on the person that is around you. In a few weeks, our sister, our elder Lafon, is going to be making a, a presentation uh, a specific presentation, and she's doing some research, and it's going to be good research, and she's going to be making a presentation on this in a more specific way. And I want to admonish us as Christians for us to be very careful how we conduct ourselves, because your conduct could mean eternity for somebody our eternal doom for another. Are we standing as Christians or are we compromising? Are we just doing things because, hey, my, my girls, we dress like this and we act like this because that's cool and we feel good and we feel comfortable. Are we just doing it for the sake of doing it? Or, oh, this is Vegas. It gets really hot here. So, you know, things have to be low and loose. Right? We got to be comfortable. But can your comfort cause someone to stumble? I know I'm going to have some haters. 
but who cares? Church, we got to understand we are all in this to win it. And sometimes we just have that, just that one chance to make a difference. Are we standing as Christians? Are we standing as Christians? Are we truly, really God-directed Christians standing for principles? I want to encourage us. There's somebody that is going to come to you one day. And they're going to say, sister, you may not know this, but it is because of you that I'm here today. It is because of the way I see the way you conduct yourself on the job. You are very patient. You showed love. You showed care. You were not a gossiper. And the way that you conducted yourself, you did not look like those outside. The worst thing that I could tell you, one of the worst things, is when we see individuals outside and we can't even identify them from the world. They have the bells and whistles and everything looking and acting and behaving like everyone outside. God is calling us to walk a certain walk, to talk a certain talk, to behave in a certain manner. I'm not saying we can't mix it up with others outside. but we cannot allow the world to influence us. We are told that we need to be in the world, but not of the world. I love Paul. And in our Sabbath school lesson, Paul, we see Paul, he says that he becomes, he became a Jew that he may win the Jew. He joined up with the heathens that he could win the heathens. You see, Paul was a guy that just mixed things up. He would just go and hang out with the homeless people and just mix it up with them so that he could win them. He would go into the, the Grecian culture, the Athenian culture, and he just went in and worshipped with them. But he knew he, who, who he was worshipping, right? And Paul would mix it up in this way, but then you will see after a time, Paul would lead these individuals and say, don't you see that unknown God? That unknown God, he is the one that created heaven and earth and all of the other gods. He is the true God of heaven and earth. Paul knew how to stand. Do we know how to stand? Or are we just living? Are we just floating by? God has called us to represent him in thought, in deeds, and in actions. Will the real Christian stand up? Will you stand for Christ to say, listen, God, I'm a real Christian, and I want the Holy Spirit in me. 
I want to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. I want my sail to be governed by the wind of the Holy Spirit, not by every wind of doctrine. I want to be directed by you, God. Will the real Christian stand up? Will you as a Christian stand for Christ today and say, I have enough. I'm not going to be governed by anything down here. I want to be governed by God. Christ is looking for real people to stand to make a difference. To make a difference on your job. To make a difference in church. In church. To make a difference, not just following the crowd. Because the crowd is acting like this, dressing like this, doing things. He's calling us to make a difference, amen? amen. I told you this was a tough message because I know. But if I don't tell you, who will? Church, it is time that we check the way we walk, that we check ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to make a difference in our lives. Amen. Today I make a call. You may have come to church today and you want to say, Lord, you know, I could dig this, and I want to surrender my life to you. Lord, I'm giving you my all. I'm surrendering my all to you. If there's anyone in this category, you want to give your life to Christ today? You want to surrender all? I want to have a special prayer with you. I'm inviting you to come to the front as you surrender your life, not to this church, but to Jesus Christ who died for you. Amen? Amen. You want to surrender your life. You want to say, Christ, it is all about you. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to have a new beginning. Today, I want to encourage you to come to the front. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for God's anointing up on your life. Amen? Amen. Anyone else? You came to church today. You may be a visiting friend, but you want to say, listen, you know, I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. But all I know, there is a man named Jesus Christ that I need to know more about. And I want to surrender my life to him. He is the author and finisher of my faith. He is the one that created and that is sustaining me. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven,
we come once again before your throne. We ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will move upon this crowd, that you'll touch each and every member, touch each and every family. Help us, Lord, to know that we are not in this alone, but the way we live affects our neighbors. What we say, what we do, what we think, what we wear, everything, it affects us all. I pray, Father, as we stand here, we stand under the determination of the Holy Ghost to allow you, Father, the author and finisher of our faith, to complete this work that you have started in us. Lord, please, we leave it in your care. Bless us, Lord. Anoint us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. There are individuals that have come down, Lord, to reconsecrate their lives, to give their lives over to Jesus Christ. You know their needs, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will break, break the curse, Lord. Anything that has been against them, Lord, I pray that you will break the devil's chain that he has on their lives, Lord, and that they will be delivered. There are individuals in this place, Lord. They are battling drugs. They are battling smoking. They are battling prostitution. Lord, they are going through all this, Lord, but they need deliverance. And the only deliverance that they could have, it is through the man that died for them, our God, Jesus Christ. Please, Lord, send your Holy Spirit to break the chains that's binding us now and deliver your people once again. Father, we know that the devil is angry and he's going to come back tomorrow and he's going to be beaten down the door. But I pray, Father, that you will set a hedge of protection around your people that the devil will run away. not come back I thank you Lord for deliverance thank you for the moving of your Holy Spirit and for your guidance we are careful Lord in all of this from start to finish to give you the glory the honor and the praise because we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior and our soon coming King Amen Amen.